This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're bringing you a hangout from April 2016 with Johnny Meller. Johnny is a Christian leader and a rapper and he's talking in this hangout about why the arts should matter to Christians. You can find this full hangout including a Q&A with Johnny and the notes on everything that he had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 37. Here is Johnny Meller. My name, uh, as I said, is Johnny. I, about four years ago, I stopped being a secondary school teacher, um, which is a job I very much liked, um, to uh, come full-time on to work for Church Central. And part of my brief um, was about a quarter of the job role was just really art plus church discuss, really. It was a very kind of vague um, kind of brief. And the, the, the history to that was that me and my wife would be, I guess, artists in some form, or another um quite loosely i I guess you'll probably say my wife's more bona fide she's um uh, an illustrator and photographer um i'm a rapper so i mean you might have opinions on that i can't see your faces as you smirk or turn off or anything like that at this point but that's where we came both quite creative and uh, over the years we we would have kind of thought to ourselves church and art maybe this could be done slightly better Uh, maybe that's just our church (laughs) you know but um and had some ideas but didn't really have much time to put into practice and so uh, i guess as part of my role was to explore that was a great privilege and really enjoyed that and so we started off just looking at that within church central and increasing over time over the last four years have now kind of built up what is that's become something called Sputnik that is a, a network of artists based primarily in the catalyst sphere of churches although as with most things in art you can't draw the lines too clinically on that and then where will be even some of you out there who engaged with what we're doing who wouldn't be and that's absolutely fine uh, too and so that's I guess where I'm coming from uh, in this sort of stuff and um, uh, I think our background would be the kind of background that we've come from from this and so i would imagine be similar to many of you guys as well particularly those of you being new frontiers uh, churches was um, i guess I put it like this, a friend of mine told me a story about how he had a conversation with an art student and and the art student had told how their pastor had come to them and asked them how jesus would feel uh, well how no how they would feel if jesus came back to find them painting daisies that was his kind of provocative question his point was this person he was talking to uh, painted daisies that's what she did she was an artist uh, her point was i guess uh, what is the value of painting flowers uh, when there are millions of people to who are going to hell and we need to tell the gospel to them and stuff like that. And um, while I personally have never heard anyone be quite as blunt as <laughs> that regarding the arts, um, I would have probably seen uh, in the churches I've been involved in anyway, a kind of the same sort of sentiment in a sort of sidelining of the arts uh, in church life. Um, um, except I guess in, in very functional uh in a very functional capacity within the workings of church life we're in very specific evangelistic projects okay that's when the artists of different forms just so you know when i talk about artists i'm going to be talking of writers actors any arts not just painting and stuff just so you know um and and i think that it's that sort of thing i guess 
that I, I would like to talk into, I suppose, um, because for me, what, what I would like to talk about and what would be great to discuss with you guys uh, is, is I'd like to suggest that we need to rectify that situation. And I want to lay out why I think that is and also give some points to how and just some things that we've been doing. And I'm going to be able to touch service and I'm really open that up for your questions. And you can question on the why or the how uh, as we when we come to that in a little bit. But before I go into that, I, I wonder if it's probably worth... Um, fleshing out that objection to the arts being a little bit more, because I do think actually there is a force to that objection that needs to be considered uh, that says the, uh, the arts are slightly frivolous and superfluous. They're not a kind of a thing we should really put much time into. And I guess to put the, the argument a little bit more um, forcefully, I think someone could very well argue this, and I have some sympathy uh, with this. They say, well, look, basically what we see... Uh, in the Bible is Jesus gives us a commission. We've got a mission to do. Uh, it's about to go back to heaven. It's go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the, name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know, teaching them to obey what I've commanded. And as we see the early church develop uh, in the pages of Scripture, what do the, the first Christians do under the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Well, the, the primary way they follow that instruction is by making these local communities uh, disciple-making machines, if you like, that we now call the local church. And And as that goes on, as we see that in the, the, history, the history of the very early church kind of enshrined in scripture, I suppose, in that way, we don't see a massive focus on the arts. I mean, we just don't. I'm not going to say that we do. And therefore, if that's the case at the beginning, uh, and that's what we see in the New Testament, surely, therefore, we should kind of shun frivolous artistic preoccupations, or at the very least, someone who comes in who's very concerned about the arts, well, actually, no, you need to grow up a bit, and actually, let's do something more. In this direction, okay. For me, I can I, I can see that point of view, and I guess that's what I want to want to kind of talk into, uh, I suppose. And to respond to that uh, view, if that's put fairly, uh, I think it's probably a good place to start, to start with the Bible. And the question must be asking: well, do, Does the Bible support that that view I've just kind of uh, sketched out? And I would. There's no surprises here, by the way. I would argue, no, it doesn't. I think the arts are highlighted and endorsed in the Bible throughout, uh, both explicitly in the use of art forms by God's people, uh, but also implicitly, actually, in the, the, the whole construction of, of the, the number of books that make up the Christian Holy Scriptures, uh, you know. Um, and so, uh, in fact, I think what's interesting about that as well, and I, I think that that would be quite easy to lay out in one sense. But what's interesting there as well is there are two types of art almost that are endorsed and highlighted in the scripture. I think we, you probably know I'm going on one of them. There's another that we don't talk much about at all is probably the one I want to focus on. Firstly, in the Bible, and I think most of us would recognize this, uh, the arts, a type of art that's recommended and highlighted in the Bible would be art that has its main audience as God. It would be worship, art that's t- done for worship, really. Um, and this is, again, all, all over Scripture, really. We could just use a few examples, uh, I guess, in the, in the Old Testament, the construction of the tabernacle and the temple, uh, this would, would be prominent. I mean, in, in the construction of those, those um, artifacts, there would be pretty much every type of representative art imaginable used and endorsed. Bezalel and Aholiab, who, who give that job, the spirit comes on them to give them uh, with skill and craft. You know, these guys are, are technically gifted and the spirit comes into that. And it's it, what, what comes out the other end. Well, it's, it's artistic skill to make the, the tabernacle in that sort of sense. And you get a similar sense with the, uh, some individuals involved with the building of the, the temple. And so uh, without 
go through the whole lot. You've got castings of bronze and gold. You've got textiles. You've got clothing and furniture design. You've got architectural uh, stuff as well. And there's and, and those elements are generally, so there's, there's some communication to that art with God's people, I guess, as you went into or looked at those uh, buildings, you'd see something of God's reminders of God's interaction with people, and that would help you with your worship. Generally, it seems the way that's presented is, is these these people are it's like an offering to God to beautify. It's where the beauty word comes in, which I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, so those things that's really important. That's obviously very important in that setting. So you've got that. I mean, the other obvious one is would be kind of music and poetry and and um, stuff like that, which we see obviously in the Psalms. I mean, that'd be obvious, but elsewhere as well. I mean, Psalms of Miriam and Moses in Exodus 15, of Deborah and Judges 5. Often people just tend to break into song or poetry comes through. I've noticed, I think, and this even in the New Testament, a number of our, our famous theological passages would be well-constructed Hebrew poetry that would uh, that, that would have been crafted either by the, the writer of that letter uh, or quoted from elsewhere but that was being used in the church. But there's a, an artistry that's there. So, for example, Philippians 2, 5 to 11 would fall into that category that he humbled himself and made said nothing taken in the very nature of service. So in that passage, um, there would be artistry involved uh, there. And um, so, I, I mean, there are other art forms we could concentrate on, but I think uh, it would be fair to say that the art that is used in worship is validated in Scripture, and, uh, and that would be pretty uh, constant throughout. Um, and I mean, I think I, I'm not going to focus too much on that actually. And please feel free to ask questions on, on it. And the main reason I'm not going to do that is because I would imagine that most of us in our churches, um, would have, would reflect that in our churches. I mean, it's often people, it's people complain and say, oh, the church should be more creative. Actually, if you take an average, it's particularly charismatic church service, um, that's a pretty creative thing. I mean, it's some charismatic just would be like kind of sort of extreme creative, sort of hippie sort of stuff going on, which you say, well, we could be less creative here. I mean, you've got a band, uh, you've got, uh, sometimes you would have kind of flag waving, dancing. You've got banners that often would adorn the halls, textile sort of stuff. Sometimes you'd even have spontaneous songs constructed on the spot and delivered. Uh, and that's pretty, that's pretty creative as it goes. And we'd be used to that. And I, I think sometimes we just forget how creative those things are in that sort of way. And actually there's a move uh, across the board to up the ante in this regard. And maybe some of the churches that you guys represent would, would be part of this, of uh, maybe pushing this another level. I've had people painting as the, uh, as the worship's going on or someone dancing maybe on the stage or um, people looking for new ways to kind of explore creativity in worship with music and stuff like that. And I think if anyone's got questions about that, I'd be more than happy to address that. But I guess that's something that's in the background. And uh, there, I think most of us would be roughly there on that if you're from a kind of New Frontiers background uh, particularly. But the thing is in the Bible, there is another form of art that is highlighted just as much, if not more, that I think is not so familiar to our type of church, so we definitely wouldn't highlight as much. And that's not necessarily art directly towards God, worship art, but art that's directed towards other people, and art being used as a very unique and powerful form of communication, actually. So I'll give you a couple of examples. I'm sure there'd be more. Um, but I think one of the key ones for me would be the Old Testament prophets. 
Now, I don't know about you, uh, when you think of the Old Testament prophets, of how you, particularly the major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, those guys, uh, how you see them, what, what lens do you look through to understand the Old Testament prophets? We, we obviously we know what a prophet is nowadays. In the New Testament, you've got Agabus, you've got other prophets. And in our churches, we'd have people who'd be called prophets or use the gift of prophecy. It's quite clear the Old Testament prophets operated differently to those guys but where, what, who were they then? Sometimes we think of them as kind of John the Baptist wandering around, kind of nomads in the desert, just weirdos, basically. Um, but then you see with the Old Testament prophets, some of them, they had, these guys were established in, in the kind of upper echelons of the hierarchy, socially and religiously, of their culture. Sometimes they'd be rejected, but sometimes they'd have the ear of the king. And, and so who are these guys? And I, I think the most helpful lens for me in seeing... Uh, to a degree, Isaiah and Jeremiah, but particularly Ezekiel, would be through the lens of actually uh, their ancient examples of, of really modern performance artists in many ways. That could be pushed too far, but I think that's helpful to see. I mean, um, if some of you, again, not knowing who I'm, who I'm talking to, if, if, you, if you're involved in the arts and were an arty person, you probably know what I meant. Uh, but if you were to go to art school or were to be involved uh, in the arts greatly, you'd know that it's very favoured in the arts, not just for, for these artists. You don't just make artefacts. They don't just make things like paintings or music. They, they Almost their life becomes art. They do these kind of, you could call them installations, but these performances that are just kind of in the street or just spontaneous or experiments almost. Now, an example, which isn't art necessarily, but I think is might be helpful if you're not in that world. It'd be a few years ago, I remember... David Blaine, the illusionist from America, he put himself in a giant glass cube. Uh, I think it was in England. I can't really remember, but he, he, he sat in this cube for an extended period of time without eating. And so everyone could just watch him as he was in this cube. I don't know if any of you remember that. Um, well, that wasn't art. I think that was just a show off David Blaine pretending to be magic, really. Um, but if you imagine things like that, but with more of a symbolic meaning, more of a critique of society or, or, or someone's just plain odd, like just get you thinking in different directions, that would be pretty standard in many forms of, of art. And that's kind of what these guys were doing in many ways. So uh, Isaiah wanders around naked for three years in <laughs> Isaiah 20. I mean, what's going on? How did people view that? Well, it's a kind of, it's a statement, it's a symbolic act. It's, it's almost like performance art in that sense. And Jeremiah, uh, number of, okay, Jeremiah 13, Jeremiah going buy a belt, linen belt, all right, stick it on, bury it, get it out. He's communicating it symbolically in a very similar way to how performance artists would, would do that sort of stuff uh, that you'd see kind of represented in video art and things like that. And my favourite of these is Ezekiel. Uh, and in Ezekiel 4, is <laughs> just an absolute classic on this. Uh, and this, it, Ezekiel would be kind of, he'd be getting first all the way in art school for, the, for this stuff. But Ezekiel 4 is classic. God's like... Um, build a kind of backdrop it seems of uh, of like jerusalem like you're getting a kind of theater production and then you kind of act out god says to ezekiel like, act out the siege of jerusalem but he acts out in a very strange way so lie on one side for 350 days or so uh, on the other side for like 90 days and, and while he's there he's got to stay there so he's got to eat so uh he's given a list of things to eat which he has to cook over excrement um, which originally was going to be human poo, but uh, ends up God has relents and it can be animal poo, I think. It's still pretty bizarre. Uh, then after all that's done, um, uh, he uh, he's told to shave with a sword, 
which I think is just a great, it would be a great artistic piece anyway, shaving with a sword. Um, presuming he didn't chop his head off in the process, it, he then is to get the, the hair, scatter some to the wind, burn some, stick some in his um, belt. And you can see that the whole thing, what is this? What's going on here? Uh, I don't think it was that Ezekiel was in some corner, everyone going, what is that weirdo doing like, over there, not paying attention? No, you'd have to be engaged in this over a long period of time. Oh, look, we're going to go back. What's Ezekiel doing today? Um, If if you know, Shia LaBeouf is classically involved in a lot of the guy acts from Transformers. He's involved in lots of this stuff now. You can go on and watch him watching his own films and stuff, which itself is an artistic statement. That stuff's pretty okay in the the art world. But I think that's what's going on a little bit with uh, with Ezekiel. Um, And so these guys are communicating artistically, in a sense. What's fascinating, I think, is... In some of this, I think it's uh, with Jeremiah. I'll refer back to my notes just to make sure I, I get this correct. Uh, have I written? No, it's, it is Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel um, 37, he's told to take two sticks, uh, right, one of them Judah, one of them Israel, and join them together. Um, and what, what it says then is... God says to him in uh, Ezekiel 37, verse 18, he says, when your countrymen ask you, won't you tell us what you mean by this? Say to them, and it says, so it's quite clear for Ezekiel, again, very linked with artistic practice, he's not spelling this out for people. They're not meant to understand as they go along. It's to start a conversation with them, which again is exactly what most artists are trying to do. They're not trying to give you answers. They're trying to raise questions that then start the conversation. I mean, interesting, in, in some of these cases as well, and I think this one is with, with Jeremiah, it makes it very clear that the reason they're to use these symbolic acts is because of the rebellion of people, because people just simply won't listen uh, to others, to, to, to normal commands. They're not listening to God through his commands, through, through kind of normal methods of communication. So they have to do something more dramatic because of your rebellion, I'm giving you this uh, to, to do. And I, I think that's quite interesting for our context as well. So there's the Old Testament prophets are as communication, almost uber communication, a super form of communication. Um, Jesus is, a, is another classic example of this that I think we often uh, neglect. Jesus was, was clearly an artist. Um, I'm not talking about tables and chairs. <laughs> Someone, like, you know, the passion of the Christ, I guess carpentry is an art. I don't want and carpenters out there but um jesus was a storyteller and uh, the power of jesus's stories mean that his stories are etched more on the consciousness of humanity than any other storyteller uh, in the history of the world more than any sort of fables or shakespeare or any of this and obviously there's a spiritual very clear spiritual dimension to that but also these are powerful parables just because they're short that doesn't mean they're not artistic i mean he was excellent uh, in that sense and how does he communicate he communicates artistically um fascinating as well again jesus's mentality is an artistic mentality and by that i mean like i said a second ago um jesus even more so it wasn't just that jesus wanted to he thought it was okay that he raised some questions he didn't just think oh some people might not quite get this and i'm cool with that no jesus's whole methodology was to actually for people not to get the, the right end of the stick actually so he says what people ask, well why did you, you speak in parables would well, it so they'll be seeing and not seeing hearing and not hearing and his whole the whole mentality of well, i'm not making this easy for people there's something about artistic communication that raises questions and that is ambiguous by nature and jesus engaged with that and i think it's it's fascinating uh, in particularly the evangelical world the way we communicate generally, and we've just 
like we we got this is it was much more Pauline actually uh, in church after church every, every week would be a well ordered usually well ordered. I'm not preaching, well ordered argument sermon, a bit like Romans. You kind of lay point upon point and then therefore this, okay, kind of like ancient rhetoric that Paul would have been so good at. Uh, evangelical books would be the very same, the argument like that. Jesus didn't communicate like that. And his method of communication was in the kind of the way we do sermons, for example, communication to the church. Clarity is one of the main things. You don't want people leaving, scratching their heads, saying what's going on. For Jesus, he deliberately communicates so people don't understand what's going on. And that is how artists operate across the board. If you come across artists, some of you may well be frustrated. I just don't understand. I don't get what this is. I feel like I'm not in on the joke here. Uh, and the artist, you talk to them, in any art form, most, well, most art forms, most artists will say, I'm not here to give you answers. I'm here to raise questions for you. Um, and we see that in, in Jesus, uh, as well as the Old Testament prophets. There's a very final point, I think, and, and maybe for me, I think this is the most telling of all, uh, would be that if we zoom out, not just from the explicit stuff that's in Scripture itself, that the, the artistic practice that is endorsed in Scripture, but we actually see what Scripture is, we see this even more powerfully, in that it's not just that the Bible includes examples of artists and, and things like that. The Bible is art. So you think God is wanting to communicate to the human race. How is he going to do it? Well, obviously, he communicates most powerfully through his son, but he wants to give an objective kind of, wants to bottle it. In, if you say, like, well, how am I going to give it to them? Well, a large portion of the Bible itself is art. It is beautiful poetry. There's songs put in there. You've got the apocalyptic literature of, of Daniel, Zechariah, Revelation. And so it's God not just in the people in the Bible, not just in the person of his son, but even himself as he communicates to people, he uses the arts because he understands the power of the arts as communication tools. Um, now, I guess um, with all that said, um, it's that last bit, as you probably told from my where I've allocated the time and where I've got more passionate that I would be more passionate about. And for Sputnik, the, the arts network we have, we, we would base us very much on um, that second one. And just so you know, it's not that I've got anything against art as worship. I think it's great to use the arts in worship. I think people should do that. I just think it's, it's, it's a very different thing. Actually, the rules of the game are completely different. If you're doing arts towards God's worship or arts towards other people, it's just different. And uh, if you want to ask about that, fine, I'm not going to elaborate on that much more. Just to say, arts communication then, well, can I flesh that a little bit more before we open for questions? Um, it seems from Scripture that God sees the power of the, <laughs> the arts in communicating to other people. As we look at society around us, we see that, I think, very clearly as well. Um, and this is where I'm so concerned that the church is missing this as a voice into culture. The arts are very, very powerful. And um, we'd, and this is where, if you're not an artist, you think, why? I don't know if I should have come in tonight. Beauty and creativity is not really for me. And this is important to all of us because as Christians, obviously, communication is vital. We have, we have a message. More than that, we have a worldview to communicate. Um, and while we do that one-on-one with people, actually, there is a way through the arts to communicate wholesale to culture itself we can speak into culture that's what arts do and i just to, to close on, on on this couple of bits of hints of application as well um an image i often use would be this is if you imagine uh, this is taken from francis schaefer by the way but i've kind of made it myself so i can't remember which bits of me and which is schaefer but read schaefer anyway but um uh, the, the image of this is it will help you um imagine a staircase 
And at the top of the stairs would be the academics, big brains, philosophers, theologians, sociologists, those sort of guys. Um, and they're at the top of the stairs. And at the bottom of the stairs are the normal people, the plebs, like most of us. Yeah, if you, plebs rise up. It's the academics. But they're at the bottom of the stairs. Uh, and Schaefer argues that the thoughts at the top of the stairs and I think this is pretty, you can't really argue against that, I think, in many ways, they really affect the plebs at the bottom of the stairs. You know, the, the big academic brains, the Emmanuel Kant's, the John Paul Sartre's, you know, those sort of guys, their thought really affects the people at the bottom of the stairs. But here's the question, I think it's a good question, is how does that happen? It's unusual for an, a really uh, kind of top-end academic, that's probably not the way to put it, is it? Um, but it's, if you see what I mean, for that kind of person to come down the stairs. I mean, they generally write with passages in Latin, like bits in German randomly, little numbers that you have to then look up and resource. That's stuff you study at university. Um, so they're not coming down the stairs to people. At the bottom of the stairs, generally people aren't going up the stairs to them either. I mean, people go to university, uh, obviously, but <laughs> from my experience, to go by, you forget all of that stuff <laughs> about a week after you've finished anyway. Um, and I think generally your average person is not flowing to Waterstones asking for, for Wittgenstein books uh, or, or things like that. It's just not happening. And so how are those ideas transmitted from the top of the stairs to the bottom of the stairs? Well, I think, uh, and Schaefer's line was that there's a group in the middle of the stairs that is exceptional at communicating big ideas in a way that can reach many, many people. And those are, there's many ways to do that actually, but one of the most significant groups are artists who can hand those things uh, down in that sort of way. And I think we can see that in all sorts of ways in our culture. But what's interesting about that form of communication that we see is as the, as artists do that, they, most artists, even in kind of art forms that aren't verbal, that, that don't rely much on writing, there'd be a content to watch what they're, they're communicating. And even somebody paints a, a flower, you can communicate hope or despair in that paint, communicate lots of content. So the content that's going into people's minds, sort of rationally, you think, I've seen this, I know what it's on about. But there's also this sub-rational sort of just it goes straight for your feelings and emotions as well. Art has a power to do that, um, which is an, an amazing communication tool there's not many ways that do that so so you might have had this experience watching a, a tv show or a movie or reading a book and the main character let's say is an adulterer so they're having an affair and in your mind you're thinking i don't agree with adultery having affairs are bad okay yet by the end of the book you would have, or the film or the tv show you'd have massive sympathy with that character and you'd really feel for them actually you'd hope that they're they're adulterous relationship it really comes off and I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've come to the end of a book or a film and you think, okay, I really felt with him. You think, you double check yourself and think, well, wait a minute, what's happened there? What's happened is art has communicated to you and it's, some of it's rational, some of it's sub-rational. It's, it's affecting how you feel. Now, that might sound all very manipulative, um, but the fact of the matter is that's how a lot of communication is done. If you, if you take as many examples, I'm, give, I'm not going to go into this in detail, but uh, how is the homosexual agenda uh, has, has thoughts has that been communicated how have thoughts on that topic changed so much that's generally been done through the arts um, and actually more and more I read an article on the Guardian the other day about how can we be more how can the LGBT movement go forward more at, at least two of the points they gave were we need to engage more with the arts we need to, to do through film we need to do this. they understand this this has been done all around us and it's not a cynical move to say well wait a minute we need a voice into our culture we're called to have a voice 
And my, my challenge is where on earth are the Christians in the middle of the stairs? Um, it's not that we can't do it. I mean, there's been many Christians there. Bach, Tolkien, Lewis, Chesterton. I mean, there's loads of them. Uh, they have something in common, as far as I'm aware, for most of the biggies in that regard. They're all dead. That would be the, the issue with those guys. Where is the last 50 years of people? There are some. There are some brilliant guys who are, who are really getting in there and making a difference and, and subtly softening people for Jesus. But I tell you what, we need lots more. And I think as churches, we need to be committed and we need to put some effort and, dare I say, money behind this of putting more Christians in the middle of the stairs and learning how to help artists and not hamstring them and say, Oi, your band and pub, complete waste of time. Lead the life group. That's what you want to do. That's how to make it as a Christian. We've got to be cleverer on those things, if that's the right word. So my half an hour is almost up. Um, I, I was told at the beginning, how we do application? I've got loads of application, um, but it does depend a little bit who you are. All I'll say to kind of maybe spark some things off is just a couple of points that I just want to make clear of how we do it is, I guess, if you're an artist here, um, it might sound like a strange thing, but almost I, I'd want to wave the flag, like to, to, to almost at least ask the question of whether you should be involved in worship art or evangelistic art. And I'm saying, ask the question and saying, maybe not. And you might think that's very odd from what I've said about the evangelistic art, but I'll explain that a, a little bit. Um, I think as churches, we're very good pulling people into the church meeting it's almost the meeting is the center of everything and something is valid if it is useful in a meeting and we do that with art so the artists would be oh can you do something for the christmas service can you do something for this? if we can see in the meeting it's important uh, if it's not in the meeting it's also, oh, it doesn't really matter so much um, and for artists that's really powerful so we need affirmation as people and you get much more affirmation just doing your art in church i mean you do so for me as a as a rapper the what it's worth, um, I, I would have, I'm not the greatest rapper this world has ever seen by any stretch of imagination, but I'd have made at least one uh, album that would have been reviewed very favourably in the secular music press in this country, it would have supported some of the major hip-hop groups in, in the world. But in church, would have met, I cannot remember a time within church where someone has understood what I've done and affirmed me, said, look, I really thought that was excellent with, with that, in that, of those, that sort of stuff. Actually, where people affirm me in churches, if I do a rap, a spontaneous thing, I'm just made up on the spot, which most of it I know, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm just rhyming those two words. That's incredibly trite. No, everyone comes up to you then, well done, fantastic, brilliant, you're the best. And if I followed that route, I could make an album that Christians would absolutely love. And well, maybe not now, I'm getting on a bit now, but I could do that. And, and that, but that wouldn't have an effect, you know? And, and so as artists, I'd say, steer away from affirmation, know what you, you're doing. And look, we've got a calling out here. It won't be easy for you, um, but we need to, we need to do that. With the evangelistic art thing, just to, to, to tap onto that as well. I think many people think, therefore, I'm, for my art to be valid, I need to put Jesus in every line. If I do a story, the main character needs to become a Christian at the end of the story. Our, our encouragement of Sputnik to artists is simply make art make whatever you want to make about whatever you want to make. Um, and the point being is if you're a Christian and full of the Holy Spirit and you're making good art, which is authentic, 
Jesus will shine through your work. I think if in your body of work, Jesus does not appear or the, or the Christian worldview is not evident, I wouldn't question your art. I would, sorry, be confrontational. I would question your relationship with God. I can't, can I say things like that? I don't even know. Um, but I would encourage you, just be yourself. It's almost, uh, almost, I go as far as this, make art for art's sake. Just like create what you want to create. Um, and I think that freedom needs to be told to people because otherwise people don't make art, they make propaganda um, or advertising and the world's sick of it. Um, and so if you take those as application for artists, if you're the application for non-artists, church leaders, others in church would be this. I think we need to understand artists and affirm them in those things and not drag them into church life necessarily, although there will be an interaction in some ways. We hope you enjoyed this hangout. Remember to get access to the notes on everything that Johnny had to say, plus a Q&A with Johnny. You can visit www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 37. And if you do visit thebroadcastnetwork.org, you can also get access to our full library of training materials and you can sign up for updates about any upcoming hangouts that we have going on in the future.